Hola amigos, you're tuning into the Hello Latino podcast. I'm Ovalis Jasmine and I'm excited to welcome Catalina Peña. She's an Afro-Colombiana beauty killing it as an entrepreneur. We had the best, most authentic conversation about her journey from Colombia to the U.S. and all the twists and turns in between. Catalina is now the founder of Catalyst Creation, a professional development firm that aims to change the hiring ecosystem by teaching diverse pros mindful career coaching techniques. She not only helps them make their dreams a reality, but she helps them ignite change within themselves. You can find her on LinkedIn or connect with her on Instagram at Curious Gata or Catalyst Creation. Now go make sure your cafecito is ready. Pon atención que el chisme está bueno. Oh my gosh. Okay, well, let me just start by saying I have no idea how we got connected on LinkedIn. I just know that we've been connected for a while because I've been following you. I've been like engaging with your content and I love seeing it. I mean, just you're one of the LinkedIn Latinas that inspire me so much. So the fact that you were even like down to do this podcast, I was like, my heart. And so I saw you yesterday on the Afro Latinas in tech panel. Mm -hmm. And oh my gosh, the whole time I was like, oh my God, oh my gosh, she's going to be on my podcast tomorrow. She's going to be on my podcast tomorrow. Seriously, I'm not even kidding. Like, I literally was just so excited. But honestly, so I want to just start by saying that, right? Like introducing how we know each other, which is funny because we don't necessarily know each other that well. Mm -hmm. But we we were connected on LinkedIn at one point. Um, But I just want to, you know, have give you the platform to introduce yourself and also tell us a little bit about how you identify. Okay, perfect. And First of all, thank you so much for that introduction and just for, you know, (laughs) it's so interesting and it's so funny that you're like, oh my God, I'm so excited because I'm like, oh yeah, we're talking. Like, I'm so excited to be here. (laughs) So this is the exciting- mutual. (laughs) mutual. Um, This is actually maybe- yeah, I think this might be my first podcast. So I'm really excited. Well, I mean, fun fact, you're my first guest. So Ooh, okay, so there you go. <laughs> universe, it, it aligned. Um, yeah. I was I was really thinking about this. And I was like, Oh, have I done a podcast before? I've done interviews, but not like a full on podcast. And so I'm really okay. about this. And I, I saw your recording that you did. And or that you sent me earlier, and I was like, yes, this sounds amazing. Also, your story is amazing, and so oh, I'm so you. glad you have been able to do all the things that you're doing and are giving back in the, to the community in this way. Oh well, thank you, thank you. It's honestly, I mean, it came out of just wanting to know more stories. You know, I know I'm not the only one. So, and, and the more I kept meeting more people, you know, like yourself, seeing more content on LinkedIn, on social media, I'm like, oh, I need to get these people's stories out there. Right. And mm-hmm. that's how really it got created. So for you, you know, you talk about being Afro-Colombian, mm-hmm. Afro-Colombiana. Afro-Colombiana. So, yes. Afro-Colombiana. <laughs> what do you identify as? I'm like, oh, I didn't answer that question. <laughs> you can still answer it. Yes. Um, so I'll go in and talk a little bit more about that and how that came about. So I, um, I'm Afro-Colombiana. So my mom is a white Colombian. My dad is a black Colombian. And so, you know, I am technically biracial or well, not technically I am biracial. Um, but I identify, you know, really embrace my blackness. Um, really think it's an important, um, thing that I, I can lead with, uh, because I think, in our communities, especially right now with everything going on, it's really being highlighted 
the uh, racist and anti-Black sentiments that the Latinx community has. And I've been identifying as Afro-Latina for, for years now. And it's interesting how you, when you're just yourself, people notice. And when it's, you know, when these conversations, like I got reached out to a lot and it's like, oh, tell us about this and tell us about that and tell us how you feel and your identity. And it's like, it's so interesting because I'm like, well, like this is my experience, uh, but there's so many different experiences out there of, you know, identifying as Afro-Latina and also just in general as Latinos. Like we have so many different stories and so many different things. So I think that's why it's so important that you have this podcast and you have this platform so that you can tell all of them and hopefully everybody understands we're a really diverse group. Right, right. I mean, there's so many complexities and intricacies in, within the Latino culture that people just don't realize. And mm-hmm. I know, I mean, you you read my, you heard my story, but, you know, being in San Diego, I'm like, oh my God, there's tons of Mexicans and I would be mistaken for Mexican all the time. I'm like, no, soy hondureña. And they'd be like, what? <laughs> what is that? Is that a type of salsa? <laughs> <laughs> you know, people would be like Hungarian and I'm like, what? Hondureña. <laughs> But for you being Afro-Colombiana, Afro-Latina, you know, you know, being real like that is it's it's not until recently where I really heard that phrase more and more. So for you growing up, did you know what Afro-Latina was? And, you know, how did that kind of come about? Yeah, definitely. So no, not really, (laughs) to be honest. So I moved to the state. So I have I have such an intricate um, story and lot identity because I'm just I'm split like I have two of everything I feel like so you're mentioning you know this is for first generation I actually don't identify as first generation I think it's a a half generation or something Um, there's a term uh, that is kids who were brought here as children and have the quote-unquote immigrant experience of actually coming to this country with nothing um and but I had citizenship because I was born here and so it's like it's oh, all it. really interesting duality that I don't really discuss but you know I'm not Colombian enough for my oh Colombian my god yeah Latin friends, and I'm not American enough for the American friends on top of being Afro-Latina and so I just have had these oh my god like all what do they say ni de aquí ni de allá right what? They say they say ni de aquí ni de allá, right? Yeah. It's like yeah, yeah, it's it's insane. But the thing is, like, I had my childhood in Colombia, and so to kind of talk about after la uh, you know, I did. I knew I was darker. My mom is white. She's like she's a white Colombian. She's way lighter than you. <laughs> like, oh, really? Okay. <laughs> so, and my dad, if you look at pictures. People, it's funny. They're like, oh, well, you're not black. And I'm like, okay, here's my mom and my dad. And I put a, pull out a picture of them. And everybody's like, oh, my God, your dad looks like a young Barack Obama. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not making this up. And so, but in Colombia, you don't, like, you you talk about it, but you don't really talk about it. So, like, my dad was always a negro in my family, in my mom's family, because they're all white. And so it's like, negro, negro, and, you know like weird negritas, um, you know, my grandma, one time, her name is Blanca, and and I was like, abuelita Blanca, and she's like, que nieta negra, and like, it was, <laughs> but it's just like, you know, it's thrown around, but you're not really talking about what it actually means. So when I came to this country, 
I didn't know what, you know, that people identified so hard with um, their race before their ethnicity or nationality, you know, and race being, you know, white, black, Asian, um, Pacific Islander, indigenous, whatever that is, and ethnicity being, you know, a, a group of people. So like, something like Hispanic and Latino and nationality being like Colombian or Honduran um, in your case for anybody who doesn't know the difference. And so my sister who had lived here as a child, she started actually identifying as, as black very, when she came here and I was like really confused. I was like, but we're Hispanic. Like, you know, how can we be both? And my mom was saying, you're not black. And so I was just a 10 year old and I was like, I don't even know what to believe. All I know is that, I, I've just got here. I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't have space for this right now. And so I had the privilege, quite honestly, to not explore my identity as an Afro-Latina for a little bit because it wasn't right in my face, right? I knew I was different than a lot of the kids. I knew I was, I was darker than my Colombian friends. I knew that I was black on some level, but I ne- it was never part of my identity. And I never was like, went out of my way to tell people I'm black, you know? And then I went to high school and, you know, it was, again, it was that same feeling of not knowing where to go, not knowing what to do. And in college, I started really understanding like, oh, you can be both. And I started understanding like black is beautiful and it's not something to be ashamed of because for a long time in my upbringing, you know, my mom would say things like, like, you know, what are you doing with your hair? It looks crazy. Uh, you know, stay out of the sun, you're too dark. Like since a child, like my lips, because they're pretty full, it's like, you know, they were saying saying things about my lips and how, how big they were and how, you know, they took up my whole face. And I was just like, what? You know, so I had all these comments um, and not necessarily in a good way. And then in college, I really started realizing, no, black is beautiful. Black is beautiful and it should be celebrated. And why are we not celebrating this? And I really took on the Afro-Latina identity, but, um, you know, and really found a way to honor both sides in a way that is really honoring the Black experience in America. So people who are darker than me, people who are actually from here and who are Black, Black American, right? And also honor my Latin roots and not forget that because it's such a blend. And so it's, it's for me, it just fits because I'm like, oh, it's a blend of all the experiences I've had here in this country. Uh, so yeah. That yeah, I, you know, it's it's that. so funny. I don't think people realize the Latin history, mm-hmm. right? And like my family's always talking about our Spanish roots. They're like, mm-hmm. somos españoles, tenemos, you know, all our ancestors. I'm like, okay, but what about our indigenous roots? You know, mm-hmm. what about our West African roots? Mm-hmm. You know, and like we, we don't talk about those things enough. And like, sure, we have different, you know, like packages of each, right? Like not mm-hmm. one is like all West African, not one is all indigenous, and some are, you know, in some cases, but no one talks about that part of Latinidad. We mm-hmm. always talk about this. I'm like, I don't want to be Spanish. You know, I don't want to mm-hmm. only think about them. Like, I want to think about me as a whole. And mm-hmm. so like for you growing up, did you know your roots? Did you know your ancestry? Mm-hmm. Did you, were you in touch with that side? So not really. Like I said, we, we were, we didn't really talk about it at all. And I remember being, you know, my dad being like the only black person and us being the only black people in the rooms that we went to because we were pretty, we were, we were pretty well off when we were in Colombia. Um, and I just, I just remember just being like, Oh, this is how it is. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm darker. We're darker. It's this is what it is, but I never questioned it. Never, you know, and my, my parents, my parents never brought it up. It wasn't a thing. 
Yeah. Romans aren't really known for discussing <laughs> these types of things and it's not really exactly. Um, so yeah, it was, it was really interesting to, um, yeah, to not really have these types of talks and conversations and then come here and have this plethora of conversation. And, and it really took yeah. me a to find my voice. And now I'm like, no, it's great that I have gone through all that because I feel like a lot of Latinas are really struggling with like, well, well to understand everybody else's experience, you know, especially like white passing Latinas are like, uh, because I feel like there is a level of privilege there and everybody has a level of privilege privilege right but white passing yeah, Latina, for sure. you can you know you're stereotypically Latina so it's like when that when that stereotype is applied uh and it doesn't necessarily it maybe it's not as negative as like some of the other stereotypes in the minorities within the Latin community as well and so I think I think it's a really great time to learn about all of the experiences that a lot of Latinos have had um and Latinas have had yeah. yeah just yeah. Based, you know what they look like on top of their ethnicity and yeah I want to I want to touch on something so you you mentioned that you came to from Colombia to the United States like what do you remember about that experience and where did you move to like that has a lot to do with the way we grow up our, our mm -hmm. perspective so I want to unpack that a little more yeah well how much do you have <laughs> <laughs> we have so much time <laughs> Um, and I say that it's, this is actually, I don't really talk about this too much, but I'm, I'm going to be as vulnerable as I can. Um, so like I mentioned, we were pretty well off in Colombia and we were, you know, a great childhood in terms of, you know, my family was around, my parents were together. It was great. Awesome. And then I turned eight, <laughs> like everything fell apart and it was a really interesting it's really interesting how, how that has affected me and how I, I view myself and I view success and I view wealth up until this day. Because um, basically from one day to another, my life changed. Uh, my, my parents were married for 14 years. And then one day, my dad dropped me off at school and never came back. So it was one of those things where wow. it was just like, wow, okay, so we got back home and, and all his stuff was gone. And you know, we found out he had another family and all of this stuff. And then in the next, I think, three months, we, like, were not going to school anymore because there was no money. And within the next, like, five months, he had come to the States, to Houston, with his other family and left us behind and been, like, basically, like, to everybody back there, it's like, oh, take care of them. Like, I'm done. And then that's when my mom comes in and is like, yo, we have been married for 14 years. You're not about to leave me with two kids in a country like while you go and do something else. No. So we actually, I remember to the, I remember all the details, but basically we just came, my mom bought, sold everything. So we lost everything. Like we sold everything and we bought a one-way plane ticket to Houston. We've never been here before. We don't have any family in the States. And my mom had two little girls. She was like 35 at the time. And she came over to the States. And I just remember she's like, okay, we're going on a trip. And I was like, okay, we're going on a trip. <laughs> like, I guess that's what's, what's going on. And, you know, we're supposed to stay for a month. And then here we are 20 years later. And so it was like a really abrupt change. And when we came here, you know, the situation wasn't great. My dad didn't actually receive us. And 
we ended up like bouncing around a couple of places. So we were, you know, I, I don't want to do dishonor to homelessness because that is, you know, a very real thing. Um, we didn't, we experienced nights of homelessness, I would say, like where we really didn't have anywhere to go. We, uh, you know, we're basically having to survive out of the goodness of people's hearts that would let us into their homes. And I was actually reflecting on that because I'm like, oh my God. And I was telling my mom, thank God that we're not there anymore because I, I imagine there's families doing that right now during COVID, which is, would be just insane. And, um, you know, I say all of this because then after that, you know, we were able to get into a place. We lived with some roommates. We all left, you know, we were three of us sleeping in one bed. And then my mom actually was a teacher back in this, in Columbia. So she was able to start getting all of her stuff um, kind of figured out with like her visa. And cause I was, mind you, I was nine. I couldn't help them. Like I had US citizenship, right. but I couldn't help them. And that's a very, that, that feeling of powerlessness to know that you have the answers and you have the key, but you can't do anything is like a very intense. And I know you talked about it too. It's yeah. like, you can't do anything. And it's a lot of pressure because I was just like, man, I just, I want to be 21. I, I don't want to be nine. I want to be 21 so I can give my parents papers and all of this goes away. And, and you know, that's how a nine-year-old thinks. It's like, how can I help? Um, and so, but my mom, thank God, she got a, she got a job as a teacher and, you know, we were able to slowly, slowly get out of, out of that. And now, you know, we have, my mom owns a house like fully paid off and she was able to send to our, our, us to, to college and we all are my sister's an engineer I am an entrepreneur I've worked for some of the biggest brands and and so it's it's a really it's a really interesting story and I don't tell it very often because I don't think it I ever have the space to because I'm like hmm, I don't oh my god well I'm glad you have it here <laughs> yeah and I'm like I don't want to tell you about all of these like not so fun parts about my life and you know and so many other people have such harder stories and so also it there's a little bit of shame because I'm like it yeah. wasn't that bad if I really think about it no but, but I mean own it you know like <laughs> I think one of the things that I've I've tried to really stop doing is comparing you know struggle with struggle like struggle mm -hmm. struggle across the board mm -hmm. right like we all have them we all have our past but it ultimately makes us who we are and for you, like, thank you for sharing that. I'm glad this is a platform for you to share mm -hmm. that story because I'm sure whoever's listening is going to be like, oh my God, who's Catalina? I need to meet her. <laughs> because so many, so many people have that experience. Like to your point, like so many, I was literally talking about this yesterday, like the being daughters and, and sons of immigrants is a whole different layer of pressure. Mm -hmm. We grow up so fast. You were talking about being nine and wanting to be 21. Like we think that way. Mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. we're just like how can we help what can we do <laughs> how yeah. has that experience affected you now though like do you find yourself in like you know wanting to help and wanting to help I mean you're a career mm -hmm. coach right <laughs> exactly right so I was thinking about that and I'm like oh I just coached myself to know <laughs> where this comes from but yeah it's I think in all of this you know having these roots you know being on being like very, um, you know, not, not abundant and like having a lot of money and things like that first coming here and you know, being on food stamps and things like that to being in rooms 
where some of the richest people <laughs> in the world have, you know, are doing deals and are, are just like walking around, like whatever. Like that was a really big, that was the moment where I realized I'm like, wow, wow. Like how did you even actually get here? And it really caused me to think not only about myself, but about others. Um, I think for, for the first time, because I think that I just developed this mindset of I'm going to succeed and if I succeed, everything will be okay. So I, I did. That's what I did for 20 years is like, you know, I went to college on a scholarship to Nebraska because I was like, there's no money. So I'm going to just go <laughs> and it'll work out. I don't have any. I don't know. So we'll see. And then, you know, I went, I took my first job at Johnson & Johnson because it's the only job that I got. And it was a great job. But I was like, okay, great. Like, they're moving me to San Francisco and and I don't know anyone there, but it'll be fine. And I was like, okay, if I'm good at this and, and then, you know, get all these jobs, like it'll all be okay. And then I realized I was like, oh, well, I'm not happy and I'm not actually helping anybody uh, in the way that I want to help them. And so I ended up switching careers to uh, recruiting and helping like diverse uh, professionals, it, you know, at companies like Facebook and Twitter and Anderson Horowitz and Asana to really get into tech and to really basically paved the way for them to to get there uh and in that i you know experienced a lot of uh just a lot of hardships in terms of how i was showing up and how that affected the culture and ended up getting fired and laid off a few times so i wear that as a badge of honor because i'm like hey, <laughs> what i did and i'm so own it. <laughs> i'm like own it right um but all of that really shaped me because now with my business, I'm really able to look at people and be like, look, I get it. I get you have so much pressure. I get that you have, you just think you have to be the best and I'm going to take that off of you. What do you want to do? And how can you, how can we be successful at that? And really helping people figure out that they don't have to take it all on, that it's not their responsibility. Like, I don't know who told you it was your responsibility, but it's not. Like whoever's listening to this, it's not your responsibility. And, and if you want to, and if it really is something that comes from you and from your heart, beautiful, but you can do whatever you want and do good and help in that, in a capacity that makes you feel good as well. And so that's like the number one thing that I want to do while helping people also achieve economic freedom because without money, we can't do nothing. <laughs> like That part, that part. <laughs> so I want to touch a little bit because you, you mentioned being in tech. Mm -hmm. And I know this is this is stemming from what I heard yesterday on the webinar, but I want to also give you a chance to talk about that experience of being an Afro-Latina in tech. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I think, you know, in tech, it it's a very interesting uh, atmosphere just because I think they're very open in certain ways, but there's so much more to the story right? Like everybody that's in tech that's underrepresented, not just racially, but other groups has such a unique story. And sometimes because you're, you're put as part of the collective, like, you know, it kind of gets erased. And so when you have these groups, so, so employee resource groups and ERGs, they're called ERGs um, for short. And you have the semblance of like a family and the support system within these ERGs, you know, it's easy to forget that the rest of the company is, is not necessarily like that. And there is a protocol and there is, you know, um, a way to be in order to be successful. <laughs> That's what I didn't know. 
And so I showed up. I was like, oh, I'm here. Hey, thanks for hiring me. Bring your full self to work. Let's go. Like, yes, I'm going to be loud and I'm going to challenge you and I'm going to make friends with everybody. And that did not go over very well. And it ties to being Afro-Latina because I wonder and I ask myself a lot, had I been white passing, would I have been perceived as less of a threat? If I had been white passing, would I have not been perceived as as aggressive or defensive if I was white passing, like how would I have interacted differently with my coworkers? And it is something that I I don't have the answer to. I don't know. I, I don't know if that played a role. I can only assume it did. Um, but I also can't assume it didn't. So like, it's this weird thing of, okay, like I know what was said to me. I know the stereotypes for Latinas and I know the stereotypes for black women. And since I'm both like, what stereotype are you categorizing me as? And it's like, oh, you're categorizing me as like a black woman because I'm aggressive, you know, I'm too much. I'm taking up too much space. Whereas like my Latinas, you know, usually it's, oh, you're spicy or you're passionate or, you know, oh, you're so interesting because you come from this, that, and the other place and they want to know. And it's like a very completely different view. And and that for me was was really eye-opening. And I'm like, you know, I have a very privileged relationship and experience with blackness because of my white skin and because of, you know, what I look like and I can be a lot of different things, right? Um, that's to say, you know, my experience is not, and my experience is not that of like uh, maybe a more phenotypically black, like uh, black woman um, and like darker skinned black women and I wanted to say that because we're not a monolith, right? Either. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, Afro-Latinas have this one, one experience. But it's important to know, like, when in, at work, it is that little line of, you know, is it a threat or, you know, are, am I just being passionate? Am I just being spicy? And, and it was yeah. always on the side of threatening. And I'm just like, I'm five foot hundred pounds I don't understand how I'm threatening like I still don't I still don't get it like, you're like I'm small <laughs> no, let's go and you can beat me up like I don't I don't understand yeah I mean there, there's so much right there's so much that comes into play with our with our identities but for you you know being Afro-Latina and having the African side and and you know if I look at you I'm like yeah she's Afro-Latina but if people look at you they're going to be like she's so exotic right? Have you gotten that? It's so annoying, right? Like I roll. <laughs> Every single day of my life. I actually, like when I go outside, I usually get like, what are you? Ooh, like where are you from? Like, yeah. Are you exotic? How do you, how do you feel about that by the way? Uh, depends on the day, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> like sometimes I like to have fun with it. I'm just like, oh, I'm this and that. I make up random things. Um, sometimes I'm just like, I'm a person, like, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't, you know, you're like, I'm a human by <laughs> bye. and sometimes I like go into it and I'm like, Oh, okay. Well, so, <laughs> you know, my mom and my dad and I pull up the picture and I show them everything and everybody was like, okay, I just really wanted to know like five seconds of that, but thank you for that TED talk. And yeah, but I've gotten some, some kind of crazy things and people will stop you. Like, that's the weird part. I don't know. I don't know if you've experienced this, but people will stop you. So I was with my mom and like I mentioned, um, you know, she's she's white. And we were walking in London because we were taking a trip. And this guy comes up and he's like, where are you from? Where are you from? Like, are you Indonesian? And I was like, 
what? <laughs> like, of places. I'm, and I'm here with my mom and I'm like, no. And he's like, oh, well, you look like you could be. And it was like this whole thing. But I get that a lot. Like people will just come and like tell me like where I'm from. And I'm like, yeah, that's where I am. Like that's where I'm from. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. so interesting, especially with traveling. Right. <laughs> it's so interesting. I remember I went to China and I'm a tall Latina. I'm <laughs> like five, nine. And, you know, typically people say Latinas are short. I'm like, no, they're not. Like they come in all shapes, sizes and colors, (laughs) but people don't know. Right. And this is like, this is our chance to really amplify these stories and educate people more on our Latinidad that comes in so many different complexities. But for you, you know, growing up, did you grow up in Houston or New York? Like what were the differences in, in terms of demographics? Like, did you get asked that question growing up as well? Mm hmm. Uh, so growing up, I grew up in Houston. Uh, so I lived here from nine to seventeen, uh, and you know it was a very interesting time because Houston's a very diverse city, but it's also very segregated. And so, meaning that um, you know no one really mixes. And so, and I was always in in school. I was always like in higher level classes, um, in AP classes, and so. I was just with all the white people. Like I was just like one all the token, like all all the time. Maybe a couple more uh, like Latin and black people, but so I never, yeah, I never had these conversations. Yeah, I never, you know, really got that growing up, just because I wasn't in the environments that really were discussing this. I was, I was trying really hard to be as white as I could, and so I never was like, oh, like I wanted to blend in and not stand out. And so I was like, okay, I was so focused on that that I didn't realize what that was actually doing to me. Uh, trying to fit in when it's like, no, baby girl, you're meant to stand out. My God, oh, preach. <laughs> I, I feel like every, every person, every minority has gone through that imposter syndrome, mm-hmm. right? Of just like... <laughs> trying to blend in and trying to be, you know, like at one point, like I, I was dating someone that was not Latino and he was, you know, American. And I felt like I was compromising so much of myself. And I, again, you don't realize in the moment until you're like out of it and you're like, oh my God, I was trying to leave behind my like hood upbringing. I was trying to leave behind the way I talk. I was trying to sound like more, you know, American. And I'm like, oh my God, it's like, we're so beautiful and we don't realize it. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And, and I think even, you know, even to point out, like you said American and I'm like, oh, I wonder like, where was he from? Like, even in like, the- right. I mean, there's that too. <laughs> you know, what, what race was he? In? It's a white person. But so that, you know, again, it's like everyone has this whole, yeah, mm-hmm. I get it. But, but that it's like, but, but I'm not, you know, not to call you out, but I think it's like, it's so ingrained, like what American is and really you right. and are both American and I we know. Are, like, any American. Oof, call oh, me out, girl. Call me out. <laughs> no, I'm not calling you out, but it's just like, it's like, that is so, so ingrained, especially in the Latinx community. Un gringo, ojiazul, yeah. y mono, right? Like, yeah. mono in Colombia means blonde. And so, you know, that's what American is. And so I actually, for a long time, didn't identify with being American. I was like, I'm not American. Like, I don't want to be American. Like, I'm not. <laughs> like, I'm good. I'm Colombian. And then one of my friends, actually, she she brought up a really good point. And she was like, you know, you can be both. And I was like, oh, I can be both. So I'm Col- Colombo-Americana. Like, right, this, like, oh, what yeah, I, I love that. you know, Colombian-American. And, and it's nice because I'm like, 
cool. Like I'm redefining, we're redefining what American is and it starts with our language. And I was talking about that in the podcast or in the uh, panel yesterday. In the webinar, yeah. Uh, Yesterday I was like, you know, it starts with the language. Like our language says so much and we don't even realize and we assign certain things uh, based on what's good or bad or fits or doesn't in our languaging. And once we get a hold of like our languaging and what that actually can do for us, right? If we decide that everybody who's born in America is an American and stop associating American with white skin, blue eyes, and blonde hair, yeah, it becomes a completely different conversation. Oh, you're so right. Yeah. What that means worldwide. And so it's the power of doing that, which is so, so amazing and so interesting. No, it's so crazy because I didn't even realize I said mm-hmm. that, right? I didn't even realize I was doing that until you pointed it out. And I'm like, oh my God, that is mm-hmm. that really is a big eye-opener for me and hopefully anyone listening, right? <laughs> and, and oh go ahead. No, go ahead. No, I was gonna say, and like it's not a it's not meant to feel make anyone feel bad. It's just yeah, not, yeah. like like it's so ingrained. It, it's just second nature at this point. Mm-hmm. So you have to unlearn everything you've learned. Oh, it's it's that like figuring out how your brain was wired and then unwiring it from there, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And again, it's that unconscious bias. It's the unconscious part that we're not, again, we're conditioned to feel and say and do. Oh my God, love that. And and speaking of being American, <laughs> one of the things that I personally love about the immigrant community, about Latinos that are daughters and sons of immigrants is that, you know, first-generation Americans, or what were you saying, half-generation? Half generation, yeah. So yeah. It, it's yeah, it's it's the it's the kids who emigrated with their parents but have U.S. citizenship. So it's a very yeah. it's a very like small niche. No, it's so interesting because I mean I I always talk with my brothers. You know, I'm the youngest of seven or eight technically, and <laughs> you know they all work. <laughs> there's always extra. Hello, Latino. The family. <laughs> There's all yeah, there's always that extra one. But you know, eight of us and like that, you know, most of them, six of them, seven of them. I keep need to get my numbers right, but you know, like majority of them, they all were born in Honduras and they immigrated here. And they never, you know, that's a whole separate that's like you right now. Like I'm half generation. You remember your upbringing in in your country. Like my my brothers and sisters remember Honduras so well mm-hmm. and they remember coming here and then I was born, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's a whole different set of things, but you know, on that topic of of half generation, first generation, we still deal with a lot of firsts, mm-hmm. right? Like whether it's applying to college for the first time, not having any guidance because you don't have anyone else in your family to teach mm-hmm. you how to do that. Mm-hmm. I struggle with that. And I know a lot of other immigrants deal with that first generation. Or if it's like applying for a car, like down to the little things. So like for you, what were some of the firsts that like have really stood out to you or really made a difference or you've struggled and navigated through that you think would be you know, that made you who you are, that would be helpful for someone listening? Yeah, I, so that's a really interesting question. To be completely honest, when you sent them, I like struggled with this. because I'm like, I don't really, I feel like I've done so many firsts that I don't even remember at this point. Um, yeah. Because it just, it's, it's like, it's, it's the little, so I'll start with little things, right? So my mom, she, like, I love her. She's amazing. And she's also very too, her it's her way and she does things her way every time and same thing every time and being back here 
with her after, you know, not, not living with her for 12 years, it's been really interesting to see her not experiencing the world uh, as like vastly as I have. Like, I feel like that's a really, really big thing about like children of immigrants or people who have come here. It's like you had no option but to experience your whole world. And so I feel like for me, the whole world is a first because my mom, you know, my mom still to this day, like, like, I'm like, Oh mom, have you tried this? She's like, no, I don't like it. And I'm like, mom, have you tried it though? Oh my God. I'm not going to like it. And I'm like, wait, what mom? It's just, they're gummies. Like, it's fine. (laughs) No me gustan estas cosas. And I'm like, pero como no lo has probado. I don't. And the thing is, I'm like, wow, mom, you have that choice of you don't want to try something you don't have to. And I don't think I ever had that choice. Right. Because I came here when I was nine. And so everything was new. Everything was a first, you know. And it was just like I had just to adapt. And that's how the mentality. So I don't really think about firsts. And there's nothing that really stands out because I was just like, oh, well, you know what? No one life, was the first <laughs> life was the first I'm like cool life is the first you know like I moved to I think at this point I've lived in like seven cities or something like that and you know that was oh a first for me like I was the only like I'm the only one in my family that's ever lived in a different city by themselves ever like everybody else either lives in the same city or even in the same neighborhood um, or even in the same house as <laughs> they don't leave they don't leave they're like in a little bubble <laughs> like, right now I have two uncles that live with my grandma in my grandma's house right my sister lives an hour from my mom and that was very recent and I was really the first to leave and I think that's that's probably the first that I that I remember like I was the first to like really leave everything behind and I think that's really tough for a lot of people I know that you went through something very similar uh, you know, going to San Jose, and that's that's not even that far from San Diego, you know. And I went far. I went like 17 hours. I think my first time I went to Nebraska, to the middle of nowhere. Oh my god, my parents would die. They'd be like, "You're so far." My mom almost died because she was like, "I'll wait for you when you get back." I'm like, "Mom, I don't think I'm coming back." Like, like, I, don't, like I don't think I'm coming back. I don't. I don't know where you got that dream from, but I think I'm leaving and, and I'm not coming back. And Ever since then, you know, I lived in San Francisco, which is in further. And I went to study abroad and lived in France. And I've just been leaving. And to me, I think not until I came back this time and I'm leaving again, I'm like, man, what did I actually miss out on? Like, I missed out on, like, los cafecitos. I missed out on, like, las telenovelas. I missed out yeah. on just... Todo el chisme. El chisme. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> my mom, queen of chisme. <laughs> oh, it's something about them, you know, la señora, they're always sitting down, hablando de chisme con su cafecito. And I just like love that. I love being home because of that reason. Mm-hmm. I'm like, there's so much and there's always chisme. <laughs> All of it. And so I think it's it's really hard. And I think that's the first that I still struggle with is like, oh, wow. In order to do the things that I'm doing and really put myself in the platforms that I want to really be on and do the things that I want to in in corporate America and like in what I'm doing with my business, I don't, I can't necessarily be there for all of the things and all of the parties and all of the cafecitos and chisme. Like I can't. And I think that's a really big first for me to realize is like, 
oh man, like, what am I really deciding here? And, and like the weight of it is actually coming to me. And I'm like, okay. And so I think with anyone struggling with like choosing your family over like your career or over like your success or what you're like chasing your dream, right? Recognize that your family will always understand and always be there, but also make time and don't like go like, I've, I have done this. I've gone like a whole year, maybe not coming home until Christmas because I'm like, I'm too busy. I can't do that. I can't take time off. And it's like really realizing like, oh, if you leave or if you go and, and chase your dream, you can always come back. They're always going to be here and really make time to spend with them, even if you can't be there the whole time. Yeah. And that's the beauty of quarantine right now, right? Mm -hmm. You like are forced to have that time with them. And it's just like, oh my God, I miss you so much. Mm -hmm. exactly. <laughs> <Te extraño, mami. laughs> exactly. Oh, Menervas. <laughs> oh, that too. <laughs> let's, let's not, let's not sugarcoat it. <laughs> it's hard. It's hard. And I think that, you know, leads me into to something else. It's like mental health and the Latinx community and mindfulness in the Latinx community. And something that I do with my business is be really mindful and with myself, just every day, be really mindful. I, you know, I wake up in the morning and I, I'm trying to break the habit of reaching for my phone. So I've compromised with myself. <laughs> and I'm like, it's okay, hard. <laughs> check it. But you don't have to answer. You're not going to answer anything. You can only check it to see who, to see el chisme. Like who? What chisme? Who the chisme? Who's and posting I, on Instagram? What's going on? Um. And then, you know, I go meditate, I go like drink, drink some water, journals, I meditate, you know, I do all this routine before I even get into, into like the day. And then I see the contrast with my mom and she wakes up and she goes straight to work and she doesn't make that time. And I think what's, what's hard for me and maybe hard for others is that you come home and you're so confronted with the mindset of work, 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 uh, of, you know, just the immigrant mindset of like, you have to be doing something if not that you're not. Yeah. Safe. And it's like, no, you're fine. Like, and, and that's the Latino mindset, though. It's like hustle, yeah. hustle, porque we know what it feels like to not have, you mm -hmm. know, enough. So we're always like, trabajo. what's next? You know, like we're on. And like, I see my mom and sometimes she stresses me out because siempre está ahí doing something, cocinando, limpiando. Dude. <laughs> I'm like, girl, how much do you have to cook and clean? Like, it's just me. <laughs> like, right? And But that's the thing, I think. So it's going from the survivor to this thriving mindset, surviving to thriving. Um, one of my coaches put it really well, like surviving to striving to thriving. And striving is this really middle point where you're unlearning how to survive. Uh, and that's probably where I am right now, I would say. I'm learning how to not, how to take breaks and how to honor, like, know that rest is also revolutionary and rest is also needed and required. And I get to take that. And that's an enjoyable thing uh, versus like surviving is like you have to do X, Y, and Z all the time go 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 if you don't the whole world is gonna like blow up and it's like no if you if no and I think that's where you know in changing that mindset both for us and our families that's where we really get to thriving because if you can't enjoy the fruits of your labor is it even really worth it uh to go through everything and if you just keep going like you're gonna miss it I, I love that. I've, I've never heard of that, but I'm writing it down mentally because that is such a true thing. 
And, you know, sometimes, again, I, I have these conversations a lot with with the children of immigrants and we we all have that same like understanding of each other. Like we're always trying to hustle. We're always personally, I'm always finding myself unsatisfied. I want something else. I want something more. I want to grow more. I want to do this. I want to do that. And I, you know, I'm like my mom, like cooking and cleaning. Limpiando, and I'm just like, that's like me, but in like the world, right? <laughs> just like, I want more. And, you know, it's like, and it's that added pressure of being U.S. citizens, mm-hmm. right? And and yeah. have again that whole other layer of we have access to things that our family does not have access to. So it's mm-hmm. the other mindset of like grind because you can, and because you can give everything that you can give your parents or family everything that they struggle to have every day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, mind blown. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But like even when you put it that way, it's it's even having that pressure, right? If we look at our like maybe white counterparts, I will say like white American counterparts, they're gone at 18 and like they don't look back and they don't have to because I think like at work, this was really hard for me. It was like, oh my God, my grandma sent me like a hundred dollars in the mail, two hundred dollars in the mail, and I was oh, like, "Oh, that! Oh my gosh! Yeah, send me money! Like, what? That's the thing. It's the other way around. We're sending them money, <laughs> right? I'm like, I feel bad if I don't send her money. Like, what are you? You're getting money from your grandparents? Like, oh my god, that part. <laughs> no, but for real. And like, I remember feeling like, what? What kind of world is this where where your family actually? financially can take care of you and not the other way around and not to say that it's a bad thing but I think that that puts so much pressure and so much added burden onto an individual especially like a U.S. citizen if you have access it's like well you got the golden ticket what you gonna do with it and exactly it's like you're not only doing this for you and I would say this is any like minority specifically black and brown minorities um you're in the room, but you're bringing everybody else with you, like everybody yeah. else. And we carry I, so much burden that carry way. So much, and and that's the thing. Like at some point, that probably has to stop in the way of you letting your, yourself get that pressure and only feeling that pressure for yourself, because it it like when my in what I've been working on is is moving it from a pressure to uh like an opportunity like wow I get to be in this room and because I'm in this room I'm gonna get to give back I'm going to get Mm. to uh get to like create this whole like life stability for my parents and for my family and I've been really trying to change my mindset around that because before I was like I have to do this if I don't do this my whole family will fail and like everything will go to you know everything will like fall apart and and now (laughs) no I, I get to do this like this is me helping me and my ancestors and my family and really moving us forward. And then the pressure is lifted in knowing that no one is putting on that pressure on myself, but me, right? Your, your mom might be yeah. telling you something, your, your family might be telling you something, but they, if you don't give them anything, they're not going to love you any less. Right. It's all the pressure we put on each other. Mm-hmm. I, I totally feel that. And like, just love that we unpacked so much <laughs> in like 45 minutes. Yeah, we're like, we're like unpacking. Like, forever. That's the thing. Like, I'm like, my gift is talking. <laughs> no, I love it. I love it. No, because I mean, it's, it's an experience that a lot of people go through, 
right? Mm-hmm. And a lot of people don't really talk about because it's, there's no, again, like you said, there's no platform to talk about these things. Mm-hmm. Like even for me, I talk about it with my other friends that like go through the same thing. But even my brothers don't talk about it, mm-hmm. right? They're like in their families, they have their jobs. They might not be like happy with their jobs. They might not have, you know, everything that they wanted, but they're also just like, you know, it is what it is. And that's their, that's their mindset. And it's like mm-hmm. me coming from, you know, San Jose, I'm like, you can do more, you can do more. And they're like, okay, you know, <laughs> but it's, it's yeah. an important conversation to have because everyone deals with that. You know, I don't know if you want any, if you want to add anything to that. Yeah, I think one, just one thing to, that you've pointed out that I would love to, to add to is that mentality of everything is possible. And I think that when you, maybe when you do have a green card at an early age, you do, you do think anything is possible because for you it is. And like people who have immigrated and who do have, you know, have to go through the visa process and things like that, maybe for them, that's not the case. And, and that I think, or uh, either the visa process or come from like low socioeconomic backgrounds um, in our, in our own home countries, that might be so, feel so impossible to them that your mentality and it's something that I go through that my mentality of everything is possible. Everything is fixable. Like we, we can, we have a solution. Let's go. Like, let's do it. Right. Almost maybe a slap in the face because it's like, you're here telling me that I can do better. And yeah. And it's like, I've, this is my better and it's okay. And, and that's something I've had to have to accept. It's like, okay. Like, I see ways that that this could be better. I see ways that I could help you. I see ways that you could help me. If that's not what you want, though, that's I have to accept that. And that's okay. Right, right. And that's, that's a great point. And something that I need to also I, I feel I'm the same way. I'm like, always so positive. And I'm just like, Oh my God, like reach for the stars and blah, blah, blah. And my, 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 my parents, I, I mean, like my, my siblings are just like, chill girl. Like I'm happy. <laughs> I have my kids, you know, they're just like, go live your single life. You know, <laughs> do you? Like, you'll, um, learn. you'll learn. That's something. Yeah. I'm, right. You'll learn. And I'm like, mom, I'm 29 or, or grandma, I'm 29. I still haven't learned because that's how I am. Like, cause they, <laughs> I think it's just as much as they don't understand you don't understand them. They don't understand you. And there's like mm-hmm. almost a thing of like, oh, well, I used to be that way too. And then yeah. happened, and I'm, and it's like, but you'll learn. And it's like, life has happened. And I haven't learned because I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Things keep happening. Everyone's reality is so different, right? <laughs> everyone's story, everyone's reality. It's yeah. so, so different. You know, I want to, I want to like, touch back on you know your afro you know your afro colombiana Mm -hmm. and one of the things that i really want to do with this podcast is teach people that there's more to latinidad it doesn't look one certain way it doesn't it isn't one cohesive story for all it's it's so many again complexities and intricacies within every culture within every you know cultura that we have Mm -hmm. and i really want to deep dive into your colombian roots your colombian Mm -hmm. culture and upbringing and background like I have to admit, I love Colombian novelas. They're my favorite. (laughs) I prefer them so much more. You know, like I just, I don't know why, because they sound Hondureño. So I'm like, oh my God, they like have my accent. You know, it just feels kind of like I'm being a little represented. (laughs) So for you, like, how was your upbringing? Did you grow up like hella Colombian? Like, you know, how was that? Oh my God, hella. (laughs) Hella. (laughs) You're like, I didn't have a choice. (laughs) I didn't, like, 
I joke with people because they're like, oh, you were turning were nine. Like you, like, you don't even remember Columbia. And I'm like, no. I came here when I was nine and I grew up in mini Columbia in, in Houston till I was mm. 17. And then I went to Nebraska, which is like the least diverse place on, on probably on the planet. And <laughs> like, I was like, what? I don't, I don't have the first idea what it's like to be American. Like I, I have no clue what this is. Like, I don't, please like, and just in reference to pop culture and reference to music and reference to a lot of things. Like, I'm like, I have no idea what this means. Like I grew up like music wise. I grew up listening to all Spanish music, like, you know, old music from my mom, like Luis Miguel, Hernandez, Ricardo Arjona, like salsa, merengue, like Ricardo Montaner. Yeah. All the things. Badenato, like just, and that's my comfort music now because I'm like, oh, that's what I grew up with. And we just ate Colombian food. I remember being in like fifth grade and I would, everybody was eating sandwiches and I was eating like lentejas con arroz and like <laughs> una presa de pollo, un pernil de pollo. And I was like, and I would have to go and microwave it and everybody would look at me and like, I'd be like, yep, this is me. I'm eating my food. Hi guys. You're like, like what's up? <laughs> I'm away. Um, but yeah, like it was, and it was like that. It was just like, you know, I wasn't allowed to, I, my mom actually, she didn't let me go to a school dance because she's like, oh, I need your help with the family thing. Like I had a date and everything. And she was Girl, like, same. I have that exact same thing. You're going to go and help me with my thing. I was like, okay, mom. Uh, you know, just didn't have the experience of like, you know, just a normal American teenager of like going out, doing, doing everything. It's like, no, like I, I was, no. home. I was, I became friends with all my mom's friends. Cause that's the only people I was hanging out with. <laughs> oh my God. What does she ever ask you? Y con quien vas? Quien son? Lo conozco. Yeah, you can't, you can't stay over. So I would have my friends come you over. You can't stay over. Yes. And ask my mom. Because I was like, girl, if I ask, they're not going to let me. And so my mom, my, my friends would ask my mom, it's like, please. And then she would say yes. And she's like, vas a ver, cuando vuelvas, vas a ver. And I'm like, mom. And they would so- call you still, right? Like, oh, my God. Whenever I slept at my friend's house once in my mm-hmm. entire childhood, my mom did not stop calling. <laughs> I was like, oh my God. And it was one of those flip phones, you know, like, <laughs> I was like, mommy, estoy bien. <laughs> she was like, con quien andas? ¿Qué hacen? <laughs> what are you doing? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, the, like, you know, the police, it's like, oh. Literally, and I, you know, what's funny. I find myself doing that now. Like, you know, I'm home now and y se van, and I'm like, you know, it's coronavirus and all that. So I'm also calling, I'm like, on the van? Like, on the stand. And she's like, aquí por la esquina. And like two hours later, she's home. <laughs> I'm like, why are you outside though? Like, yeah. why are you outside? Who are you hanging out It's so, yeah, it's it's such a trip, right? Thinking about all of those things. So, okay, I want to move on to the chisme real quick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we have about five minutes. I want to know all the chisme about Catalina. What is up with your life? What are you up to now? You talked a little bit about your job, but you know, more than that, what is your job? What are your passion projects, hobbies? Yeah, talk no, about relationships. Yeah, <laughs> relationships, passion projects. Um, so <laughs> I'm like, uh, you know, my job right now is really putting myself out there and, and doing a lot of 
things for me and my brand. And it's, it's really exciting because it's so myself. I like actually have a call right after this um, because somebody watched my pod or my webinar, the webinar that we did at Latinas in Tech, and they wanted me to come speak at, you know, their organization. And I was like, they're like, we have budget and everything. And I'm like, yo, for real? Like, <laughs> cool, dope. But it's been wonderful to really bring my full self and not um, and not have to really uh, necessarily like bring put on a mask or anything like that. I'm just like, hey, if you want, if you want to work with me as Catalina, that's amazing. If you don't want to work with me as Catalina, okay, that's cool too. Like I don't do, and that's been revolutionary for me uh, to to really be able to be myself, be my authentic self, and really lean into that with my business and the way that I'm, I'm creating and crafting my brand. Um, and I'm hoping that that leads other people to do the same because it's so wonderful and it's so powerful to just be yourself. Yeah, totally. And I love that. So I want to, I want to end this with a little brindis. I don't know if you have a drink with you or I have my little cafecito. I don't know what I'm talking about. I don't have any, I don't have any alcohol. <laughs> Water. But I want to end it with like a little cheers. And, and you know, I, I kind of stole this from one of my favorite podcasts. It's just called Con Todo, Brown Love. I don't know if you've listened to it. I have. It's, so, it, it's so good. So the host is Dasha Polanco from Orange is the New Black. I love her. She's, she's a Dominican queen. I Dominican adore her. Girl. Dominican, Dominican queen. queen. Dominicana. <laughs> she's she's amazing. So you have to listen to it. You know, it's a great podcast. But she ends she ends her conversations with a brindis. And the reason I love it is because it's not just like, oh, cheers, done. It's like, what can we manifest for our Latino community? And mm -hmm. so I really want to take that because again, this is part of the, you know, she's interviewing the Latin community in Hollywood, but I'm like, I'm interviewing people, you know, like anyone. Mm -hmm. So for I us, I what do you want to manifest, girl? What do you want to manifest for our Latino community, our Afro-Latinos, Afro-Colombianos? Like, what do you want to manifest? Yeah, I I want to manifest joy. And I want to test to joy because yeah. I think with all the hustle, it's so hard to remember that it's fun. And that the, the fact that you are get the opportunity to do that, like live in that joy and really enjoy that moment um because if once you get to the top you're not going to remember that moment when you get to the top you're going to remember everything before that everything that got you there so enjoy the journey live in joy in the journey oh i love that cheers, cheers. <laughs> salud salud <laughs> you know, i don't know that i don't know i need to like learn it Oh, that was it. That was ingrained in me. I don't know where that came from. Yeah, it's it, like just, I've been saying this uh, since I was 21, of course. Since you were 21, of course. 21. We don't drink before. <laughs> Thank you, no, Catalina. This is awesome. No, this I is loved amazing. it. So loved much. our conversation. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode. I hope you were inspired by my girl, Catalina Peña. Remember to tune in next week for more Cafecito and Chisme and more Hello Latino love. 
follow me on Twitter at Odalis Jasmine, Instagram at ojasmine with four A's, and find me on LinkedIn. Con mucho amor, tu amiga hondureña.